0: guy here You're listening to an audio broadcast of Market Call. That's M-R-K-T Call. It's a daily video series I do with Dan Nathan every Monday through Thursday live at 1 p.m. Eastern. We break down the big market-moving headlines and offer trade ideas. Each week, we're joined by our friends Carter Worth of Worth Charting and Liz Young, that's EY of SoFi, for their investment analysis. So check it out. And if you like it, follow at Market Call on... On Twitter and subscribe to risk reversal media's YouTube page. So you never miss an episode. Tuesday, December 5th, one o'clock on the East coast. The Rangers play tonight. Guy Adami, Dan Nathan, just the two of us to hear from our headquarters. If I say the address, is that a bad thing? That would be doxing. You say in Chelsea, in Manhattan, in Chelsea. In Chelsea, in Manhattan. Yeah. On 18th Street. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to whack me. In about what two hours or so, I'd be very whackable. People know where you
1: are, though. They That's know where you are. I, I don't really. Five care.
0: to six, you are at yeah. the, the Nasdaq at in New York City's Times Square. Yeah. There are a lot of freaks out there, I'll tell you that much. Like waiting around, <laughs> without question. Yeah. So yesterday was an interesting day. Today's quasi- there are actually a lot of moving parts today, despite yeah. the fact that the S and P is effectively unchanged. Nasdaq up small, Dow down small. There's some moving parts that we're going to talk about. Let's get right to the rundown, though, because I think this is very interesting. That news from Ch- about China, the yeah. Moody's down. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yep. I'm again. We play the game that if you told me this two days ago, what do you think would be going on? I would have thought the market would reacted a lot worse. It's not yet. BlackRock saying rate bet warning. Be careful here in the rate world. It might you might not get what you want. And the crude trade that we've talked about. Update.
1: And we're gonna do a little update there because you, you know what? When we talked about that a week ago. We were saying the technical setup sounded kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Some of the headlines we might get out of OPEC Plus sounded kind of interesting. We're going to use the futures. We're going to take a shot on the long side. We're going to use a tight stop. So we're going to debate that um, a little bit and we'll see if we're going to get back in here on that trade uh, guy. Well, let, let's talk about this. You know, overnight, so the Moody's downgrade of China, okay? And, you know, we've been talking about China a lot for a whole host of different reasons this year, largely geopolitical, and you see the headlines there. I mean, like, the, the, the issues are in and around their debt, okay? Whether it be consumer, whether it be commercial, it just seems like it's one of these things that's about ready to blow. Mm -hmm. And so again, do we want to pay attention when the US rating agency is doing this sort of thing? Of course we do. Thoughts here, Guy, on deflationary readings that we've seen for the better part of this year and the potential for this sort of stuff to be exported over here to the US. And I just want to pull up the Shanghai composite chart. This is the largest equity index in China. I mean, look at this thing. That's yeah. a two-year chart. Uh, it looks and feels sort of horrible. Let's see what happens when it gets back towards those lows for maybe a month and a half ago. And then we also have the FXI chart. This is the iShares, uh, large cap China ETF, a lot of big tech companies in there. We know a lot of them. You know, Alibaba's chart looks like Mm -hmm. that, actually, by the way, and was one of the biggest holdings. And so so just the point here, at least the equity markets in China, both here and abroad, the ones that shadow them, um, are reflecting some sort of difficulty going on over there in their economy and also this brewing debt bubble.
0: So the FXI chart, and I believe this is a, what, three-year chart or so. So you see the low that we made, I think it was October of last year was about 21 and change. I only bring it up because if we were to go much longer out, if we were to make this, let's call it a 15 year chart, Stephen or Jacob, if we could do this, you will see that the levels we traded down to last October are eerily similar to the levels we traded down to when the sort of our world was coming to an end in the fall of 09 or so. So you gotta go longer than that. And I think this will sort of be, I think it sort of encapsulate what we're talking about. We're approaching levels. Yeah, There's your chart. There we go. So we're approaching levels <laughs> that obviously we saw at the peak of the financial or the middle of the financial crisis, let's just say. And then obviously in the fall of last year when we know what was going on with the global equity market. So I think this is something you absolutely have to watch. We're not cherry picking, but You know, one can make the argument that if things are go negative there, maybe there'll be a flight to quality in the form of the U.S. equity market. Perhaps, you know, I can't speak to that, but I'm telling you that you have to keep an eye on this. And then one has to ask themselves. China obviously fell under the auspices of Moody's. But at some point, the problems that they face, not to the same degree, but we're going down the exact same path. in terms of debt, in terms of all these different things. So just be aware of what's going on out there. Well, I guess
1: the other aspect of this is that Belt and Road, I mean, this is obviously a huge policy of theirs, and it's just investing all over the world Mm -hmm. and trying to gain influence in large parts of emerging markets here, obviously Africa, Middle East, and a whole host of other places. I mean, you know, Chinese have their tentacles in a lot of places. So if there were some major, like, economic, you know, like like Disconnects going on in China, there will be reverberations around the globe. And and obviously, that's why I kind of pose the question you know, how does it ultimately get to our shores? Guy, when you look at the makeup of the FXI, you know, the largest holding, Tencent, Alibaba, MetaWine. So those are three, um, you know, digital companies for all intents and purposes e commerce, you know, cloud based stuff, um, you know, Tencent's gaming uh, and the like here. And I think, you know, combined, there may be like 23% or so. But then there's China Construction Bank, Industrial and Commercial
0: Bank. So that's so you
1: have to be concerned, yeah. So, so, so it's not just digital names, and I just think that that's kind of worth noting. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about yields, yeah. Bring it up, let's do it, baby. Because you know what? They've been up, they've been down. We're at you know, the 10 year is at 418. Is that the low of this cycle? Well, I mean, yes, through the lens later? of
0: the TLT, it's probably the lowest in terms of yields we've seen in a mm-hmm. while. So, the last time the TLT was here. We don't have to pull up a TLT chart, but it was probably in early September yeah. or so. And then, again, you go back and remember what happened to rates. So that was the high of the TLT. TLT collapsed. Yields went higher. And then, obviously, we saw the subsequent basically back and fill, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So here's the chart. You've mentioned this a number of times. You've talked about, the, and Carter has talked about this as well, the, the potential move down to 410, 415. Here we are. We're at support. Past resistance, you can go back and look. You drew the lines. They become support. The moving average is effectively right there as well. The moving average is flattening out, but it's not rolling over yet. So the question you have to ask yourself, is this a cycle, not a cycle low, but is this you know the low we're going to see for this period of time mm-hmm. and is trade going to reverse itself? Or are we going to sort of cascade down through the moving average, yields potentially go below 4%, in the 10 year, then the question is what's going on in the midst of that. Yeah. So this is a really critical level. Again, it all sort of coincides with the first thing we talked about what's going on in China as well.
1: You know, it's interesting. So some of the data, this comes back to the data, right? So this morning job openings hit a two year low. Okay. So that, that's one of the reasons. So every time we get a piece of the data that seems cool, meaning mm-hmm. the economy is cooling, right? You'll like, see a headline out of Bloomberg or CNBC or, you know, on fact set, and it's going to say something like, you know, doing the fed's job or helping the fed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so in some ways, like, you know, again, are we cheering the fact that, you know what I mean? Like some of this data is getting worse. Cause I, I mean, when you just use the term careening or cascading, I mean, if we're yields were to meaningfully go through 4%, that is basically a bet, right? That inflation is coming down to that 2%. But I guess the question, and you made this point so well recently guy is like, okay, inflation is one data point. They were like, like, They were dying for it to get up to 2% before the pandemic, right? Then they had no idea where it was going to stop on the way up. And now if it gets down to 2%, and again, we just use the word deflation as it relates to China. You know what I mean? A deflationary spiral would not be good for U.S. corporate earnings either, right? So I just think that like, if you want to throw the jobs picture in there, and you've said this again and again, if we do go 4%, 4 4.2%, 4.5% or something like that, Yields may go much lower, but that might not mean that that's great for risk assets.
0: You know, Rubik's Cube was a big deal when I was sort of middle school, high school. And, you know, all a lot of people could solve for one side of the cube and maybe two. But when you start trying to solve for three, four in the entire cube, that's when it gets difficult. So to your point, they're solving for inflation and they can get that one side fixed, but Been doing so, you screw up the other sides you're trying to solve for at the same time. And I bring that up because what's going to wind up happening is maybe they get, maybe let's, I'll give you the 2%. Let's say they get there. What's going to be happening on the flip side? I'll tell you what, the unemployment rate is probably going to be approaching 5%, if not through 5%. And in a consumer-led economy, that credit is sort of the, basically the, the, the foundation of that can't be particularly good because credit is clearly contracting we're going to talk about that in a second yep. and the unemployment rate to your point about job 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 openings is clearly starting to right. trend the right way for the Federal Reserve, but clearly the wrong way if you're a citizen of this country.
1: Well, right, and so again, while we had inflation well above their 2% target, a lot of folks, a lot of bulls, strategists, whatever you like, were pointing to the fact that we still had wage growth that was above mm-hmm. like the inflation rate, right? And so we had savings rates that's pretty high, but that's starting to be drawn down. It's a time where consumer credit is at all-time highs. So all those sorts of things. I like your analogy of the Rubik's Cube. You Appreciate know, that. The other big part of this guy, and, and again, I think we talked with Liz about this yesterday on the on the tape podcast, is that these expectations for rate cuts are being pulled forward dramatically. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, and we could look at the CME Fed Fund tracker here, they've moved into the, you know, Q1 of, of next year. So the question is, does this turn into a scenario where the where the Fed can basically say, hey, listen, soft landing confirmed, we can make the policy yeah. rate less restrictive. Is that what's going to happen? Because we've talked with a lot of really smart folks. Both bulls and bears. Okay, when the Fed starts cutting, is usually the wrong time
0: to be buying stuff. Truth. You now, I think the soft again. I th- I think in large part the soft landing camp focuses solely on the S and P 500. Yeah. So as long as the S and P 500 goes up to sideways to whatever and doesn't basically fall off a cliff, through that lens, they'll be like, you know what, the Fed has been able to stick this landing. What I think they're not paying attention to. Is the damage that's being done to the underlying economy, which is not for whatever reason filtered its way into the into the stock market yet. But yeah. can they say, I guess, And I'll tell you this. you know, Mike Santoli, who's on seemingly all day long, does an incredible job. You know he was pointing out that the typical duration between the last hike and the first cut is somewhere between seven and eight months, which basically puts us, you know, may-ish type yeah. of thing. And it all lines up with everything we're looking at right now. And I think if I'm not mistaken, There are four rate cuts priced in next year, if not five. So again, if you think this is going to be on the back of inflation getting tame and the unemployment rate staying whatever steady to slightly elevated and they are able to sort of navigate this. Yeah, yeah, then by all means, I guess you should be bullish stocks. I just don't think that's going to be the outcome. Well.
1: I guess if you want to go look at 2000 in 2007, the last two times the fed stopped rate hiking cycles. Okay. So into two, 2006, 2007 and 99 into 2000, you know, I think it was like six months and then maybe nine or 10 months was the lag mm-hmm. until they started cutting. And when they started cutting um, they did it a little bit and then they got really aggressive and they got really aggressive because things got really bad. Yeah. And when things got really bad, the S and P, you know, sold off one fifty percent in both of those instances. So I guess those are the two, two points in history that I still have a little PTSD from, you know, I had um, dinner with a friend of mine last night and he uh, is an investor. He was on the buy side, a big hedge fund for a very long time. Um, and he's a momentum trader and he largely looks at the, the, the major mm-hmm. indices. And I read a lot of his stuff. He sends out some notes to a small group of folks you've showed, I've shown it to you in the past, brilliant guy. And I'd like to have him on sometime, but you know, he and I were talking and we were saying, you know, what, like, I haven't. He said I haven't been this turned around on the S and P alone. ready for this since 2007? Yeah. And we started breaking down a lot of the similarities, and there are a lot of similarities. And I don't mean that we're about to go into some calamity of a you know a banking crisis and 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 the like here, but at least the disconnect between some of what the economy is saying and then what yields are saying and how the Fed's positioned, how investors are positioned, and then lastly how it's manifesting itself in the S and P 500. Okay. And so I, I really empathize with everything you had to say, because I said, you know, I'm kind of trapped, okay? And this is where I really love your take, because I, and we've said it on market call. We said it near the lows a few weeks ago. If we could just get, we're at 4,100, 3,800, like Watch excessive, excessive and. euphoria out the window, right? Get some folks turned around, whether it be strategists, economists, investors, and the like, and I promise you, I'm going to be far less bearish. Okay. Well, there's another five or six percent didn't happen here. Okay. And so he said to me, he really thinks that when you talk about the tightening of financial conditions, which is happening, when the stock, well, 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 when the stock market went down, and now how loose they are with the stock market up in a straight right, line. But
0: you know, it, but the tightening in the form of bank credit. C- contraction. Well, that was happening. That's Let's, happening. You but know? that's so, happening just, right now. But,
1: yeah. but the point was more about the stock market yeah. that the Fed didn't want to see the S&P go back towards those October 2022 lows. What is your take on that? Because again, we turned in a violent manner. Okay. And and again, you and I've talked about this is that the 10 year went from early September to 4% to 5% in a month and a half, and then went, uh, you know, 5% to 4% another month and a half. And the violence in which the stock market rallied versus the
0: way it sold off to me was very different. You know what I mean? Like agreed. So It Obviously, you know this. I'll bring it up for anybody new watching or listening. I mean, it clearly coincided with that huge move in 10-year yields. I mean, there was a 35, 40 basis point move over the course of a couple trading days. And I think, and again, I don't want to say investors, whatever machine-generated systems are out there got triggered by that historic move to the downside over a very short period of time in yields. And I think there's this thought that we're not going to wait around. Next year, when they start cutting, we're going to sort of we're going to front end this whole thing. We're going to front. We're going to basically we're going to front load this and we're going to jump ahead of what we think is coming. And it's working right now. It's hard to deny the fact that, you know, that strategy has worked. My concern is it's working now. But if you really look, if if you're honest, you'll say, man, oh, man, things are deteriorating right before our very eyes. You know, this is a game of musical chairs. I just don't wanna be the last one standing without one. And I think that's what we're sort of setting up for.
1: Yeah, and so this was interesting. You know, this was a, a commentary um, from BlackRock. Um, and this is a woman named Wee Lee, who is a um, a strategist over there. Mm-hmm. And so you can see this chart here. It's market sorters, rates, traders bet on steep 2024 cuts. So so that's happened. And, and I think that this is, this is kind of the interesting quote. You see it there. We see the risk of hopes uh, of being disappointed, higher rates and greater volatility to find the new regime. So we've had, Lower rates now, a lot of volatility. um, But we see the stock market volatility, the VIX, where it is right now. What do we have? Like a a 13. It just seems pinned there at the moment, not pricing in a whole heck of a lot. But then you see the expectations for cuts have been so dramatic, which you just alluded to. So I think that's the big disconnect here. And then we go back to what we talked about yesterday on the market call, where Jerome Powell, this goes back to the easing of financial conditions because the stock market has. Rallied the way it is, he was doing a little bit of a pushback here. So this is the disconnect right here. And if for any reason those rate cuts start moving back out to the the other side of 2024, what does that mean for stocks? You
0: know what? I don't know the I I mean, that question suggests that it's going to be negative for stocks, but I got to tell you something. Given everything we've learned over the last couple of years, I have no idea how to game that out. I will tell you though, to your point, and Liz Young makes this point all the time. I mean, you, you think you're hoping for rate cuts, but history suggests that that's not what you're hoping for yeah. through the lens of the stock market. Again, maybe it helps the guy and gal on the street, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be all that constructive for the stock market. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, that's heavily debated. I understand people will say, you know, you're dogmatic, but what, what I will say is this, the underlying fundamentals that we've talked about for a while are not getting better. Yeah. I think they're getting worse, but at best, they're sort of sort of moving sideways. I mean, there's clear no uptick in the things that we watch. The leading economic indicators, we had a conversation with Liz, Lizanne Saunders a couple of weeks ago yeah. for 19, deteriorating now for 19 months straight. I don't think that's ever happened before. If it has, you'd have to show me. Yeah. Um
1: Let's look at the S and P futures through the E minis here, guy. Um, again, this is right you know, there. Yeah, you know, has has not made a new high, which brings us to the Nasdaq E mini futures, and this is the one that I want to kind of focus on a little bit because a lot of the talk over the last you know couple trading days has been the sell off of Meta. Medi- mega cap techs we know that those top 10 names make up 50 percent of the weight here um you know it's kind of rolling a little bit we're going to talk a little bit about apple at the back side of the show here it's up two percent but some of the other names tesla's up um two percent some of the other names you know bouncing
0: a little bit you got it, a little bounce today yeah I mean, yeah yeah so all... they're all bouncing a little bit but it's
1: interesting though with all those names up guy yeah the nasdaq 100 is flat that's amazing which i think it's kind of interesting and i look at this and i'm just going to look at the futures here a little bit right and i say to myself okay might I like take a crack um you know on this one to 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 the downside here maybe use a really tight stop or so if i look at that kind of 16200 was the high guy mm-hmm. from i want to say the 29th and you know at the lows just uh yesterday we were down at like 15720 so you do the math there you know that's a 500 point range there um we're kind of trying to make it back. I don't know. I, I kind of want to do this. I want to kind of sell the Nasdaq futures here fifteen thousand eight seventy-two or so, and maybe just use a really tight stop, maybe something up there, um 16,000 16, so. Even yeah. I mean, it yeah, goes back like to the
0: July. I want to say it's at July high. I you know, I think it was on July eighteenth or so. So whatever that high was. But if you want to round it off, I think sixteen thousand is the right level. So, you know, again. You know what your risk is. It's pretty well defined. You know it's going It's either gonna happen very quickly, yep. or this trade's gonna start to work for you on the downside. Which you know, I think it's again, it's that binary at this point, given what we've seen. I'm hard pressed to believe, and this is just me. We're gonna go sideways here at this resistance level. So we're yeah. either gonna break to the upside and bulls are gonna be rewarded, or it's gonna start to roll over in the wake of maybe you know, and NVIDIA started giving it up and yep. a Microsoft, which has recently started to give it up and Apple we're going to talk about, but, you know, maybe today is potentially a bit of a blow off top and Apple, given the news around Foxconn and Morgan Stanley yep. and those things. So I think, again, it's trading. It's, you know, you're not making a fundamental thesis here. You're looking at a point in time where we were risk reward, it sets up well. Yeah,
1: I, I listen, this is probably the most important thing we're going to say today on this market call right now. So we have a NASDAQ 100 that is flat. And I just told you the top 10 names make up 50% of the weight. I have on my screen, Apple up 2%, Nvidia up one and a quarter percent, Tesla up 2%, Google up 1%, Amazon up 1%. Now, Meta's down 1%. Netflix is down a little less than 1%. But like you do the math, yeah. how is this index of 100 stocks Makes with no the sense. biggest ones? That, honestly, it really doesn't make any sense. So keep an eye on that, because if for any reason today, those names were to give it up a little bit, you'd have a NASDAQ that's looking kind of funky here, guy.
0: Well, it's, also, it's you're right. You're spot on. And again, we play the game. If you had told me all those names are going to be up anywhere from three quarters of a percent to a percent and a right. half, where's the S? I'm like, ah, it's up thirty five handles ish, right? Maybe yep. slightly underperforming, but 30, 35 handles, and right here the S and P is unchanged. So, yeah. it it's a hard. It's been a hard. To your point about your buddy, I mean, it, it has been hard, difficult sledding trying to figure this thing out.
1: No doubt. Um- Let's talk about crude. That, that's one that we've, I think, you and I collectively had a hard time figuring out Still of do. late. It, it seems like a really, I got to tell you, guy. And I've been making this point I think for a couple months that if you're in the kind of like harder landing camp, I just don't know how crude works. You yeah. know, last week it was uh, on Tuesday. You and I took a look at crude. Let's see if we can pull up the chart we were looking at last week, and we were in front of the OPEC Plus meeting. It was pulled out. So look at that downtrend. Okay, this is really important, and you see the yellow line, which is the 200-day moving average right so when the when when crude was just it was like 76 and a quarter okay and that downtrend i think is like 78 or something like that we said it's trying to pick up its head yeah it's trying to get above what was really a pretty well-defined downtrend right from 95 bucks all the way down to like 60 i don't know where where did it get down well it got down to like 67 and a half yeah that that was earlier in the year and then that recent low was maybe 72 or something Mm -hmm. like that okay so we drew a little uptrend And we drew that downtrend and we had a nice little X. And we said, okay, at 76 and a quarter, right there. That was the exact move the next day that we got and we felt pretty good about it, okay? But that's what we were looking for. And then maybe a move back towards 80 and possibly we would move that stop up and get back to 82. But what we also said is we wanna put the stop to the downside right at that little uptrend. You can see that uptrend from those recent Mm -hmm. lows. And look, it saved us. A, a couple bucks. Well, that's okay. how you tra- I
0: mean that's <clears throat> how you trade futures, right? You have very well defined stops, you have levels that are defined by these charts that we look at and some of the other things that maybe we think around the edges. I mean it makes sense. I I'm not there's you know in reality this this trade worked exactly the way you sort of outlined it. it just took, you know, took less time than we thought, but here we are. Now, the subsequent move lower obviously to me now getting into the crude thing is a bit confounding. I'll say this, Um, Paul Sankey came on Fast Money, I want to say last Mm -hmm. week, and he said, you know, if OPEC doesn't get their act together in terms of getting this, the Saudis could turn around and flood the market with crude oil, which they've done before. And, you know, they could just say, basically, F it, we're going to flood the market and let the chips fall where they may, which would be great Mm -hmm. if you're bearish of crude, would probably be a relief for, obviously, a lot of these companies where energy is their biggest input. And obviously the consumer, but it would be devastating for, for our energy companies. Okay, I thought you were going to say for
1: President Biden. So think about that. Well,
0: this. no, not necessarily <clears throat> you know who's President going? Biden. You know who's going to Saudi Arabia
1: tomorrow? President Putin.
0: Yeah. And, what's going to happen there? Yeah. Anyhow. No, I mean, listen,
1: lower gas prices good at thing. the pump is good for them, okay? But like, I, I don't know, I just feel like for whatever reason, I feel like, like MBS would much rather have Donald Trump in the White House in
0: 2020. yeah. I, I mean, I no, guess. I'm just saying, yeah, like, right? Like, well, that's mm. well, that's a, and you know, Wild is, Putin would too. That is an argument for higher prices. Yes, They're obviously, that's want, true. got turned. So there. they want prices. If that is in fact the case, yeah, which is probably true, then it behooves them to have the oil price and gas price go as high as it possibly can go because that would piss off obviously our citizenry. So correct. I hear I, you what know you're what, saying. I, in
1: my in my head, for some reason, I thought you were talking about greater cuts because that's what we were talking yeah. about. And you were saying they're going to flood the, the, now, yeah.
0: no, there's a chance that if the, again, all yeah. this rhetoric around cuts yeah. doesn't work, yeah. they could flip the okay. whole all thing right, around I, and say, right. you know I, what? I misheard Because they that. have historically yeah. done it. Now what's interesting about, and I don't want to get bogged down in this, but people forget, when crude oil went to a negative price, that was during when crude oil was starting to really careen lower, forget about the negative price for a second. President Trump actually went to OPEC and said, price is too low. You got to start cutting. I mean, think about that. So because he understood that it was hurting our energy Ah, business. So, you know, there's obviously a sweet spot for the price of crude. I don't think it's here. So I don't want to get bogged down in this, but To your point, if in fact they want another Trump presidency, it behooves them to have crude oil go as high as it possibly can yeah, go. Yeah.
1: And I just make the point about Putin going there to see MBS. And I, I think they'd like to see prices higher too. Mm-hmm. The Russians, uh, especially when you consider um, just all the restrictions on the sales of their oil. Let's look at the dollar, the US dollar index, the Dixie here guy. Um, this is one where, you know, I have been bearish of this via the UUP, mm-hmm. the ETF that tracks it. You see that downtrend here. Um, looks like it's, you know, gotten back on its horse a little bit. We're seeing one oh four or so and again, maybe this has something to do with what's going on with crude a little bit um, here, too. Obviously, it was benefiting um, gold. We're going to talk about gold here also. But is the dollar firming? And what would the case for a firmer dollar be right
0: now? It's, it's, it's in comparison to, you know, it's basically a relationship trade, right? So in some ways, what we're seeing in China, that downgrade is yep. probably somewhat bullish. Yep. Again, when things go sort of haywire in the world, there is a flight to quality in the form of the U.S. dollar which makes the dollar go higher. It's somewhat counterintuitive, but it's historically, that's what's happened. So that I guess is the case. You know, the, the, the escalate, I, I want to be careful here, but seeming escalation in terms of what's going on with Israel and Hamas is obviously probably dollar positive as well. And I, it pains me to say that, yeah, but that's just the lens that we're looking through. So there are a lot of reasons why, you know, maybe in the short term the dollars bottomed out, but again, that move lower in that short period of time was obviously very supportive of gold, which obviously said we're going to talk about, and to a certain extent probably supportive of the equity market because it coincided with yields going lower. Again, yep. you know, you try to sort of connect all these dots; it gets difficult though, for sure.
1: You just connected. Okay, let's look at gold because if you look at that uptrend that had been in place, I think it was like eighteen fifty or so. That yeah. intraday low guy that was kind of in early October, um, and you put it to that. Kind of November low, and here we are. We're right there. Yeah, Twenty fifteen is kind of that uptrend. Yeah. Would you be inclined, after such a violent reversal, after making a new historic all-time, reversal, historic, would you be inclined to take a crack? Yeah. Is the uptrend enough? Is the uptrend enough support? Is it enough reason? Just technical to take it's another? It's pretty crack steep
0: in it? uptrend. Um, it's part of yes. It helps without question. But man, oh man, mm-hmm. that reversal we saw, and it started Sunday night. I mean, at one point we talked about it yesterday. At one point I saw it go up $62 only to reverse a hundred dollars and be down some 40 something bucks the next day. I've, ne- I, I've seen things of that magnitude, but I haven't seen it around an all time high the yeah. way we saw it over the last couple of days. So something clearly happened. I think buy stops were triggered. Uh, people were taking advantage of it, but I don't think the story is over. And as I've pointed out a number of times, the gold buying by central banks that we saw in 2022 was historic. Just a a study came out or a piece came out, I think today over the last couple of days, that what we saw in 2022, we're seeing again here in 2023. Mm -hmm. So that has an impact. And I've said this and I believe it. I think central banks are to a large extent hedging their own ineptitude. And I think they understand inherently what's going on. So Yes, I'm still bullish of gold, but man, that reversal was something to behold. All right. So just to put a
1: little bow on this, I think you and I are both inclined. You might be inclined to take a crack in the next few days um, in gold. I might be inclined to take a crack at crude just to see if it can kind of hold these Mm -hmm. levels. But I am embarrassed generally of it because I think the economy globally and here is slowing. And I don't know if that's supportive of it. But again, if I were to kind of play for a bounce, I would use uh, futures and and, and trade a tight um, stop. All right. Let's talk. Lastly, Guy Adami. Let's let, let's look at some single names here for mm-hmm. a second because I think there's some stuff that's going on. Um, there's this Goldman Sachs has this financials conference. A lot of CEO, CEO, uh, CFOs. I think uh, the CFO of JP Morgan was just speaking. Uh, American Express CEO was speaking this morning. This is one that kind of caught your eye. Um, they're talking about you know month over month. I think it was. October. Uh, Uh, September to October, October is slower. Uh, November's okay. This is just, they, they think they're doing better as far as charge offs than a bunch of their peers or so. But the stock is getting hit after a near parabolic move. I mean, just look at that sort of move. We drew that downtrend, just kind of attaching, you know, those recent highs. But if you look at, Like, just the volatility in this stock alone, guy, this year. I mean, like, this is American Express. Now, they cater to kind of a higher-end, like, income Mm -hmm. consumer. Uh, Also, a lot of business travel and the like here. All those things have seemingly been okay. We've seen some issues as far as on the luxury end, uh, uh, you know, fits and starts this year a little bit. What what is that like headline saying to you? Are those headlines
0: out of American Express Management here after such a big run too? You know, it started with many months ago, I think it was Discovery Financial, Discover Financial, Capital One, so DFS, CO, they all talked about their concerns, right? Loan loss, credit, Uh, Default to a
1: lower end consumer.
0: Yes, Yes. and we said it's just a matter of time before it works its way into a name like American Express. And I will tell you, from the summer until obviously Halloween or so, or early November, that's exactly what we're seeing in terms of the stock performance. Now, again, you look at that. I mean, that's effectively a chart of the TLT and a large. I mean, in some ways. That's an overlay of what's happened in yield. So its yields have come lower. Mm -hmm. I think it gave some relief to American Express and this hope that, you know, maybe in fact there's going to be this soft landing and everything's going to be fine. But the fundamentals, in my opinion, again, have not changed around American Express at all. And the commentary that we've heard out of them, I think, just sort of reinforces that belief.
1: You know, it's interesting. So this is a, a company that earnings are expected to grow. 14% this year, the Q4, obviously 10% next year, you know, on sales growth of 15% this year, and 9%. So you're seeing a downshift year over year. Okay. And I'm sure, you know, charge offs are going to go higher. This thing trades at like less than 14 times next year. So it's a really reasonable stock. And I guess the point I would just say about if you're trading this sort of thing, this stock was trading at a 52 week low. So you can see it on the chart right there. This was at the end of October. Just think about this. It's rallied 28%. Think about that multiple Okay, so it's rallied 28%. We're talking about 13 and a half times Nothing next year. changed. No, it was really yeah. cheap. If you like it here, if you're buying it here, like, you, you know, you should maybe start thinking about buying things when they're in a hole a little bit rather than chasing things after because that was just a momentum thing. And I think I agree on the yield front. Another one, Lulu reports this week. Yep. This, is, this is another, so this is, you know, we talked about it, I think, the, the start of the week for a second here, you know, the higher end discretionary sort of spending thing. This is trading at a 52 week high, near an all time high, if we want to back
0: it out to no, a, a It was five November year. of 2021, I think. Two if downgrades guy this week. Yeah. Two
1: downgrades, which I think is interesting. Okay. You and I always like like to note these sorts of things, not that we care what analysts rate stocks or their price targets or anything like that. But if you're an analyst and you're putting, you know, a rating out there a day or so before, you know what I mean? Like earnings, you, you, you better have conviction.
0: Stock's not cheap. Stock's had a run. Obviously, the mix at one point, I think it was 85% women's, 15% men's. I think it's flattened out almost 50-50-ish. They've done a remarkable job with them, but they've done everything right. It's an expensive stock, and it's pushing up against the all-time high that we pointed out was in November of this time of 2021-ish, right? It's had a great run. If I'm long the stock, what do you do? Well, I think it's the conservative thing to do in this environment is to take some money off the table. I have no idea what the option market, if it's rewarding you to sell upside calls here or if you want to buy some put protection, Mm -hmm. if it's cheap enough. But given the run we've seen, given the backdrop that we've talked about now, given the levels that we're looking at at the chart. I mean, you got to be thinking about taking some money off the table. Well, you just here.
1: said sell call by put, well, that would be a risk reversal. Guy. Is that what they that, call that? That's what they call that. So maybe if you could collar up,
0: I'm actually looking could, behind you, us. You
1: could collar up your stock. If you were long it and say, I don't want to sell it. I can sell a call. You would have upside to that short call strike. You'd use the proceeds of that call sale and buy a downside put. You'd have losses down to that put strike, but you'd be protected, protected. below that to the expiration that you choose. So again, look at risk. Look at Guy
0: Adami with yeah. the risk reversal. Well, I mean, I guess <clears throat> in that, scenario, you'd almost be okay being called away, I guess. I mean, you got to think about what, you know, what do you want the outcome to be or, you know, the stock trade sideways, you've spent a little premium to protect yourself. And then maybe you get a run in the first half, you know, of the first quarter of next year, but you have to, I say this all the time and it, hopefully it makes sense. Trade the stock, don't let the stock trade you. What does that mean? So you long the stock, you've been enjoying this run. If you do nothing here, they report earnings, the stock's down eight, 10%. You're gonna be like, shit, it was just at an (laughs) all-time high. I can't sell it here. Now you're handcuffed, right? In other words, if you were to do something here, take off a quarter, a third, a half, then it gives you flexibility that if in fact they do miss, you can buy something back. Or if you have an option strategy on, you can trade around it. So sitting and being a spectator here, you're basically just praying that it continues to go your way. And I don't think that's, that's not, Listen, it could work, but I don't think that's a smart thing to do. All right,
1: let's end with Apple here. It's having a day. It's up 2%. Um, the all-time high guy was $198. This was on uh, July 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, stocks trading at $193. Um, you see the move. I mean, this thing at the end of October got down to 165 You and I, I know, I heard you say it 161 five times. I thought. You were saying 160 It was so close, okay? Yeah. To have that sort of rally in a month on a, you know, what's now close to a $3 trillion market cap is pretty, um, astounding. You know, Morgan Stanley's out there talking about, um, I think, you know, just integration of, you know, this is a company that does not, they are not on the cusp of having some generative AI tool or large language model, the way that we're hearing from Microsoft and, and Alphabet and the way Amazon's trying to do things or whatever. But they've been investing in machine learning for a very long time. Um, thus, you have Siri, which is not particularly great. I know you probably...
0: I've never used I know it. You I'm, know, the day that I, know I use go, it, I know. there's no set of circumstances that I could think of. And I see, listen, I have no problem, but I watch people, hey, Siri, call. Yeah. It's like, I know Is that what we but, but you know what? But here, here's here's what Spartan Morgan Stanley's
1: did. call is gonna be that even for a guy like you, who's mm. not inclined to like, use no. one of these products, they're going to be integrating that into the products that you do use. And going use be my seamless. clock. You're app. not going to even see it. So all I'm yeah. saying, okay, so they're making I'm a call. They're also saying that the smartphones, which, you know, obviously it's been a tough market for smartphones over the last year or two, um, that the recovery is coming. And then Bofa B of A uh, yeah. was saying that basically, um, I think app store growth in the quarter up 11%, which is better than expected, blah, blah, blah. So lots of things going on yeah. there. So, so my only point I want to make to you is that this is a beloved stock, right? The analyst community, and again, I just reference the analyst community. Generally, we don't care what they have to say and this and that, whatever. 34 buys, 15 holds, and four sells. And the average price target is $198. So here think we about are. that. We're, yeah. So th- this is very uncommon for this stock. And if I were to show you, okay, Microsoft, I'm just gonna do this little exercise right here. Okay. Microsoft right now has you ready for this? 60 buys. Six holds, no sells. The stock's at 371. The average price target is 412. Mm-hmm. Okay. So think about that. All right. So let's go to Amazon. Okay. This, is, this, this game is going to be fun for you. I right? like I just, this. Game. I feel like you, you, you're going to have fun with this. Amazon right now has, sorry, people. I'm just pulling it up, 68 buys and two holds. Okay. Average price target 30 bucks above where it's trading right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's just do Google here. This is the Google 54 buys, nine holds, no sells. You, you get, you get, no, but you here.
0: know, and Carter will, t- and Danny talks about this Carter talk. And you know, this I mean, it, people don't, people don't get careers based, you know, going with the tribe, going with the flow is yeah. typically the way to be right. There's a safety in numbers. So, yep. but to your point, it's a tad extreme here. I mean, there has to be somebody out there or it's, they can actually have a bear thesis on a number of these names. And again, Apple's a wonderful company. I I have one of their phones, right? I totally understand it. I think services revenue now comprises 24%-ish yeah. of the overall revenue, which is why the multiple seemingly makes more and more sense. With each tick higher in that services revenue as a percentage, the multiple makes more sense. With all that said, it still trades probably... Twenty nine times you have it in front. 29 of you. Twenty nine times. I did that off the mm-hmm. top Ex- of my head. Expected
1: twenty twenty four EPS growth of with 8%. margins
0: that have been flatlining flat ish. Yeah. So I mean, Raven if that's four or five percent, if you want to pay up, I mean, you're you are paying up for that stock in an environment where you just said it. I mean, things are slowing down globally. Obviously, there's a problem in China. China is a driver, regardless of where they stand on the ledger in mm-hmm. terms of smartphone sales. And if in the United States, if the unemployment rate starts ticking higher, I'm here to tell you that people will make do with what they have in terms of their yeah. smartphones. Here's so the There you news, go.
1: 162 billion dollars in cash that's actually earning something for yeah. the first time over the last year in a long time, and 123 billion dollars in debt or so
0: was at much lower rates. The cash it is. position, by the way, I think is it, as low as it's been. I mean, look, it's a, it's a crazy number. 2021, it was 190, so now it's 162. So, right. so we haven't seen it. You know, it's which is again, I'm not, I'm not punk holes here yeah. and they're being rewarded now for their cash position. Wh- was it when years, when zero interest rates, that was actually probably a negative in yeah. terms of the multiple. Anyway, you look at the chart, here we are, you know, you make your call. If you want to stay with it, you don't, you, tr- you own it, don't trade it. That's great. Problem of course, with that thesis is, and if you, if we can pull up a long, pull up a five-year Apple chart, if we can real quick, Jacob, and then we'll get out of here or Steven, you know, we've seen, half dozen, 25 to 40%. Peak to trough the trough declines in this name, and you're going to see it in a second. So there you go. I mean, yeah. you just look at the chart. Well, it's, it's funny, you
1: know, we had this conversation last night at Fast Money. I think I saw you smirking out of uh, the corner of my eye a little bit, because we were talking about, Mel had a great question for Gene Munster, who you and I both think is, is a very good analyst, um, but we were talking about, like he was just talking about how bullish he is on the secular mm-hmm. shift and all, you know, li- listen, uh, for AI and what it's going to mean to so many different companies and alike. And you know, Mel, you know, asked him, well, how were you like, how did you feel about AR, VR, metaverse, you know, a few years ago at the height of that craze? And that was a craze. And, you know, he, he said he was less excited. And, and, and again, you know, it's, it's kind fine. of hard to, that, to grade these sorts of things. My only point uh, after that conversation, when Mel came to me, guy, I said, you know, it's interesting. At the height of the excitement in and around metaverse and, and to the point where Facebook changed their name to Meta, right? And changed their ticker and everything like that, the stock sold off 70 some percent from the 2021 highs to its lows late last year. You know, Nvidia at that time was also riding the wave of the metaverse, Mm -hmm. sold off 75% to its lows this year. You know, uh, Tesla at the time, you know, was above a trillion dollars in market cap, sold off 75% from its highs. So my point is for all those folks who think that these stocks can't sell off again, you know, like own them, don't trade them, if you're watching this show, that means you'd like to trade. You're not just sitting on your hands all the time. There's plenty of slow money sort of shows out there that you can do. Is that fair? Guys? fair. You know and, I, mean? I
0: mean, again, we, we'll get out of here, I promise. But yes. for for almost a mm-hmm. year, nine months, NVIDIA was in a pretty significant downtrend from the fall, from November of 2021, when it then made an all-time high, I want to say 340 or so, mm-hmm. till I what was it, October of last year? When it traded down below 120. I mean, that's a pretty mm. significant downtrend. And I will tell you, when it was trading lower, you couldn't give the friggin' stock away. Yeah. And all the people that are now, you know, on the, I've been in long NVIDIA, they're full of shit because we <laughs> sat on the desk of fat. No, I'm just here to tell you. I mean, <laughs> I it was universally hated for the better part of five or six months. So there you go. All right. That was it. We covered a lot of ground. I like that. Enjoy it. Rangers play tonight. That's how I started. That's how I'll finish. Thank you to CME That's Group. It. Well, CME Group's not interested where, in this.
1: Where risk meets opportunity. Larry Hamilton is. And our friends at FactSet, all those tricked out charts, all those graphics, all that stuff.
0: Data provider, financial data and analytics powered Dan by? Tomorrow. Yes, it is. And yep. we'll be back tomorrow. Is Carter with us? I think so. One o'clock Eastern time, so tune in. All right. See you later. Thanks.